Welcome to Closing the Gap, and I'm your host, Denise Cooper. Ever wanted good advice or insights about your career, leadership, or navigating messy organizational politics? Getting good advice can make all the difference between making the right choices and worrying about what to do. So sit back, relax, and listen as my guests and I talk about lessons learned about career success, leadership, and HR in the 21st century. Well, hello, 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 listeners. This is Denise Cooper, and we are here to try and help you close the gap between what you want and what you have currently, give you tools and techniques and processes and understanding so that every day you're getting better and better and that you're enjoying the the journey along that way. Today, I am absolutely thrilled. This is one of my guests is Michael Bolton, and he is probably... One of the smartest guys I've ever met when it comes to understanding and dissecting the desires and motivation and how people think and how does that lead them to what they have in front of them, good and bad. Because how you think, deliberately, deliberately, you wind up with exactly what you got. So welcome, Michael. How's it going? Well, it's, I'm here in Arizona. The sun is shining. It's supposed to get into the uh, low 70s today, so eat your heart out, folks. From the West Coast, East Coast. <laughs> you got it, because we got a lot of storms coming through here this time of year. <laughs> this, is, this, this is the time of year when we come out and we say, oh, I moved to Arizona. Mm-hmm. Now, six months from now, we're looking at 110, 12, 14 degrees. We're saying, now, remind me again why I came to Arizona. <laughs> Decisions, 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 right? (laughs) Right. There you go. The unintended consequences of our decisions. That's right. So, Michael, um, just I know you, but give us a you know kind of the two minute spiel of how did you get into this work of really being able to pull back the you know the the sheet on how we think and how we feel, what we set goals for, and, you know, how we behave, how we think about behavior. How'd you get into this? Well, two minutes, huh? Hello, mm-hmm. two minutes? Okay, yeah. let me try. I was, I was an entrepreneur early on because I considered myself later on to be categorically unemployable, and that's a long story by itself. But after having a company and successfully growing it to about $3 million in sales and then selling it to somebody else who had the resources to go after the markets he wanted to, lasting with them for nine months, not realizing why they fired me. Anyway, after having been successful in all kinds of ways, also ruffling a few people, I met my bride-to-be on the dance floor. And the first thing she did was had me take a disc profile. I'd experienced it before, but not at the level that she had. So she not only said, hey, you're wonderful this way, but by the way, you have some limitations. And that uncovered some things that suddenly brought to mind some of the challenges I had because I didn't understand. Through working with her and developing a consulting business with her, with her being the lead, we delved into other areas of your personality understanding and started looking at ways of uncovering your passions your feelings and your thoughts, as well as your behavior. Who are you and how are you getting in your way? That gave me an understanding that became extremely helpful and we suddenly started building a business that way. So 
the more we got into it and the more we saw what tools could do and how you could combine them to really uncover, really peel back the onion, so to speak, to help make you the best you can be with what you've got and not get in your way. So that's mm. kind of where it started. So, yeah. help, you know, this has been around a long time, you know, um, and assessments in general, particularly, you know, have been around a long time. And people are, companies are starting to gravitate more and more to assessments, maybe not for the right reasons per se, but they're certainly in search of something. You know, we've had that this conversation. They're not necessarily using them in a way that is really, really effective. And I think from your um, just telling us how you got here, the differentiator wasn't so much the tool, because DISC has been around a long time, but your bride-to-be, now wife, her ability to help you uh, understand how what you think and do and all of that comes together to create an impression that either helps you um, connect with people, be more successful in doing the things you want. What is a, you know, help me understand what the, the missing is in this conversation around tools like DISC. I, I struggle with that a lot because I've gotten, I've been in situations where I remember I had, when I was in New Mexico, I had a doctor who was really fascinated by what we did called me one, up one day and he said, hey, you know, I've I, I got a place where I can use you. I said, okay, what? what? He said, do you do coaching? I said, well, yeah, I can, but I need to understand. I need to do a diagnostic first. So they had, well, we've got this new doctor. They really came highly recommended, got all the tools. She, I mean, she's really great, but boy, she's turning into a problem. I said, okay, well, let me take a look. So I did. I sat down with the office manager of this doctor's office and the doctor manager who brought me in. And I spent mm-hmm. about 20 minutes saying, Okay, let me describe this person to you. Let me talk about what you like. So they had taken the assessment? You gave them yeah, the assessment? Uh, okay. Yeah, they had taken the assessment. I went through it. And the office manager looked at me like this frown and said, how do you know this? Have you met her? No. Have you read her resume? No. Good grief. You uncur- I mean, you, whew, man, you described her to a T. How do you know this? So it's kind of like, Whatever experience they've had with assessments, they haven't gone as deep as you can go if you know what you've got and you use the tools. Mm-hmm. I've had this happen so many times. I go through and I, I, I the same thing. How do you know this? I mean, you nailed this person. How do you know that? I say, well, guess what? There are tools out there that gives you this depth of understanding to allow you to understand how this person fits in your organization, how to communicate, how to help them, how to mentor them, how to coach them, whatever. You have that. And they still look at you like, wow, you're the Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't understand that a lot, and I don't understand the resistance to using these tools because for some reason they, they think maybe that you can't do what you say you can do even though we do it all the time. So you end up with people that just hang on to the way they've done things for the same, for the same uh, less than spectacular results, if you will. And I just, I've been in, oh, I was in one situation that just blew me away. I was working with a utility company in New Mexico. And we had gotten into a competition because they had some problems with their sea level people and they wanted to figure out how to do a better job of selecting sea level. So we were in a competition with two other companies, went through that process, and we won the competition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And six months later, nothing was happening. I said, 
And I called him. I said, well, what happened? He said, well, the champion of that, which was a VP, left and went to Nevada, and the project collapsed. Yes. yes. He, even though there was somebody we'd helped find somebody that wanted to come back and say, I need to replace this. Can we use that system? He said, well, it's not approved, so you use it at your own risk, and he would not do that. Yeah. Thought, well, that's interesting. Then later on, they asked me to evaluate somebody that they were considering for a remote location, which is sensitive. I mean, managing remote people is a lot different than managing people that are sitting around on a desk that you can see. Right, right, right. So I did that. And I looked at this lady, and I came back, and I said, boy, this person is a real powerhouse. She's really, really good. And I went on and on about how she was. And I said, but if this happens, I don't even remember what I said. I said, if this happens in her work, she will go off the rails. So about two years later, I was back in the conversation with the same company. They said, you know, remember that person that you recommended said she was good? And I said, yeah. Well, you were right. She was an absolute gem. She was fabulous. But you told me that if she, if a certain thing happened, she'd go off the rails. That happened, and she went off the rails. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, How many times have you seen that one? Okay. <laughs> and I thought, God, I wish I remember what I said. So, I mean, you can really do some things that are predictive if you'll just use the tools. And that's, so that's one of the challenges. How can I use the tools? So. Well, it's it, well. From what I heard, it's more than it. And this has kind of been my experience too. It's knowledge doesn't change anything. It's the application of knowledge that makes change. We that's can right. be smart. Everybody can be smart as a whip in 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 knowing and being able to, um, you know, say things and be wise in the moment. But but that's not what business is about. Business is about making change, going from one state to another state. And if you can't apply the knowledge well with a broad group of people that also gives you not just, you know, the numbers that are lag indicators and being able to say where we've been, but also be able to look out not just from the numbers, but also how the environment, the business environment, the customers that you choose to work with or want to attract to your business as well as employees. If you can't kind of keep an eye and and be able to forecast those kinds of things, then in general, work is going to be really hard. <laughs> it's just going to be right. really hard. Um, and yeah. and but, but those are, as we talked about earlier, you know, there's this resistance, I think, around, well, the soft skills don't mean an awful lot. And my thing is, is it's those soft skills that are really the hard skills because acquiring them and mastering them takes far more effort in the acquisition of the knowledge that you think is going to be pertinent today and tomorrow. That's absolutely right. And one of the things that we have covered, because of what we do, you know, when you look at people's use of assessments, the most popular ones are those that, that deal with behavior. Mm-hmm. I mean, behavior is easy because you can see it. You see what's happening. Mm-hmm. And you can feel how it affects you. And once you understand mm-hmm. that, you can do something mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. But it's just the very top level. Mm-hmm. And what we have discovered, and it's, of course, our bias to a certain extent, but we've discovered that if you understand how they process information, mm-hmm. how they make judgments, mm-hmm. that appears to be one of the best indicators of performance. Yeah. That's a simple thing. It's Your thoughts are then coming up with a decision 
right. that is enacted out by your behavior, right. driven about what you're passionate about. Right. And once you understand that, you get a better idea of how that's going to fit into what you're doing in your company, how they fit, how they're going to communicate, how you need to help them communicate in a way that gets their message across yes. in a productive way. And you see these things all the time. I have a, a client in Utah, and we train trainers to use this information to help teams work better. She had a manager come in from the parent company. And behaviorally, they were just exactly alike. I mean, they were great. But, boy, they were knocking heads big time. And she didn't mm-hmm. understand why. No, behaviorally, we're, we're good, we're good. What's going on? Turns out, from what we call passionate motivators, drivers, whatever you want to call it, he was very high looking for return on investment. We call it economic. Mm-hmm. She was low. She was high altruistic. I want to help mm-hmm. others. I want to help mm-hmm. you succeed. Mm-hmm. He was low. I don't care about that. You know, mm-hmm. if it's not working out, get rid of him. So they mm-hmm. were clashing over that. Once she realized where it's coming from, now she has the ability to say, hey, work together because you're focused over here, which is return on investment, which is important for the MBAs. But I'm interested in the people that's going to make it happen. How do we put together our passions in a way that comes up with a better decision? And if you can do that, then you can come up with a different way of looking at it and say, okay, so how do we solve this problem? I need to get a return on investment. You need to protect your people because they're the ones that are going to make the return on investment happen if we do it right. And so you have a conversation that's halfway in a direction that is not burdened by your focus on what you think is important. Yes, and it, it, yes, yes, and I and I think you know one of the things I, is as I work with organizations and particularly leaders and now the general public, part of the problem is is that we 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 don't take enough time to understand what it is that what is the goal, what is that thing that we want, and we think of that goal. You know, goals has now become um, something work related, something about having a you know. $100,000 or a million dollars or it's a product instead of understanding that it is how you get to the goal and the things that happen along the way in achieving this small goal over here of making 100000 or a million dollars or whatever it is. Um, that is a small part of whoever you are and what you want. The things that get in the way is kind of what you're, ta- you're, you're talking about. It's how am I going to get there? How are we going to learn how to collaborate, have conversations that go from chaos to clarity that moves us forward? And what is it that we're really trying to achieve? Is it my bias of I want to, you know, it, it's got to be if I do something, I need to get a return on my investment, or if I do something, it makes and grows with somebody else. Those are two fundamental visions and passion drivers that if you're not careful, we'll clash with each other. But yet in business, you need both of them, and they both need to honor each other. It's those conversations that we don't have enough. And I think that is one of the reasons why it's so difficult to get these tools into workplaces, because people want quick fixes. And it's, okay, so I'm economic, so, you know, I'm, I'm a D, I'm more domineering, I'm more direct than other people. So what? I, that's how I get my work done. And, you know, really what counts is, what did I do? What did I produce? 
not the wave, not the way you got it, because the way you get it either opens people up for new ideas or it shuts them down. That's right. The other thing I found that's interesting in today's world is companies, when it comes to training, are focused now on virtual training. Yes. And that's all individualized. And Mm -hmm. I'm saying, you know, that's good to Mm -hmm. get to some basic understanding. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to teams, that doesn't work as well if you don't have that interactivity with a team. And there's resistance to, you know, having having a workshop. You know, a workshop, they say, oh, we don't have time. We can't get away from the business. Wait a minute. If we can make them more productive, and what's interesting about production, productivity, is uh, engagement and happiness. I've seen some studies now about happiness, Mm -hmm. where if you have a happy workplace, and there's very few of them, you can increase productivity by 25 to, no, 30 to 35%. Think about that. That's an intangible that's really hard to focus on measuring other than, wow, we have a lot of productivity here. Where'd that come from? And happiness is is so, I mean, if, if you have a happy workplace, you know, one of the issues there that I'm seeing right now is retention. We, you know, we get these good people and we lose them. Why are we losing mm-hmm. them? Well, mm-hmm. have you thought about why you're losing them? What, what, why, why are they here? And you've got a retention rate of, or you've got a, a uh, engagement rate of, of or disengagement of around 70%, which doesn't seem to ever change. you got people coming to work because, oh, it's work. You want people to come to work because they're excited. And the companies that are excited about it have low attrition. Well, I, I think it's the, not just excitement, but they have to be excited about wanting to contribute. You know, sometimes exactly. we shortcut that off. But that's really what we want. We want people who come and are excited about contributing to an idea or making an idea happen or making something happen, that is the common goal. And, and so I think it's really important, as, as you know, and I know my listeners know, people certainly know me, I, I believe words matter, but words don't teach. Um, only experience teaches, and that's what you're talking about when you say virtual training. Virtual training is only focused on the acquisition of knowledge, the interactions, the team meetings, these assessments, um, anything that gets us to be in conversation is is not the acquisition of knowledge, but it is the application. It is the honing of it. And, and another way of thinking about it, you've been at this a long time. Tell me about a time when you failed and how did you get over the failure? You missed an expectation, right? Hit more. Oh, my. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I've had my share of failures, and one of the biggest failures I had um, happened over a long period of time. When you're trying to break into a market with something, mm-hmm. and you have uh, you go after something because you think you understand what the market is demanding, mm-hmm. but you find out later that you didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. And even though you had the technological superior product, it wasn't what the market thought they wanted. Mm-hmm. And that was a very, very hard lesson to learn because I was facing or I was battling government regulations and a buying public or a buying corporate market that didn't want that because they didn't understand why it was important. It turned out that our understanding of it was more understanding than theirs was, but I didn't 
really appreciate how we could position ours in a way that would satisfy their needs as well as the requirements of the regulations, to put it mildly. So we were having a real hard time doing that. Mm-hmm. And then as a result, I ended up having to uh, find a partner to bail us out because they had more resources to have the longer battle. Mm-hmm. So that was tough. But, you know, you, you step back and you figure out what you did and what was wrong and how do I change that? How do I go on to bigger and better things, which I did. How did, how did you, um, you know, failure is a very personal thing. Um, and it affects our ego and our psyche. How did you, know, you did you were you able to use it to help you do better in the future, or is it one of those things you kind of tuck away and say, "Oh, well, that got done. Uh, let me move to the next one." <laughs> I think what it was was, as a result of that, I was a little bit arrogant because I was able, in certain markets, to have mm-hmm. the government on my side, mm-hmm. and that was not an advantage. That was actually a disadvantage because I became a target. And then the buying public that was paying the bills were looking at, well, I got to deal with you right now, but I'll get you later. Mm. So it's kind of like, okay, so now I got to think differently. I got to figure out how to position this thing so that even though we're in a regulated market and we have to satisfy the regulations, that's not my primary concern. Mm-hmm. My primary concern is to satisfy that requirement in a way that also overachieves for the people that are using it. And once we yeah. did that, yeah, it, it, we we I joined a company that was doing the same thing, and we put together a program that did that, and became wildly successful, wildly successful. This is amazing. And, and that's that's part of the perspectives programs, um, in which what we're trying to do is open up people's perspectives that they that just because you have one goal in front of you, it impacts so many other things. And it's not paying attention to those unintended consequences of just drilling through one way. And what happens when you, you know, to the other people who are watching? So what do you, you know, because leadership is about role modeling, right? And so how you're teaching people that it's okay to be with each other and this is what success is defined as um, is, is an important aspect of that. Before we go, I wanted to, you know, there's a couple of things I want to say. One is, is that I want my audience to understand that I am also one of your distributors of the assessment. And so much so that I really do enjoy them. However, I wasn't always a fan of any kinds of assessments. And But I wanted to spend just a couple minutes because it's it's not one assessment. It is a cocktail, for lack of a better way of saying it, that really um, – describes a person's fullness and full personality. Can you talk a little bit about the insights and and the assessments themselves so that people really understand where this conversation, which started at one end, really kind of the seeds of where the conversation started? Well, I'll try to, I'll try to be as brief as possible. In my journey of trying to understand myself, you know, I started off like most people do with a behavioral tool because the world is full of them. And that helped, but it really only got me to asking questions. And again, when you're looking at personality, the characteristics, the classic characteristics of personality are thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Each of those individuals tells you a story that is similar to the others or not necessarily the same. 
And if you understand all three of them, then you can put it together to figure out what it means. And it starts off with how people process information. Everything starts with a decision. And we've seen that if your clarity and your biases are in alignment there, you can have all kinds of potential. If they're not in alignment, what do you do? Well, that's where our distributors and coaches come in because that can be changed. But you have to understand what it is to be able to change it. So each of those, understanding each of those, you look at how their thoughts are, how their their biases are, what their clarities are, and you look at how they're delivering them from a behavioral perspective, and does that augment it or does it does it suppress it? And you look at what they're passionate about and how does that enter into the, the equation to make it better or worse. So right now, we have to interpret that manually, but mm-hmm. we can do a fairly good job of that. And Denise, you, you do it all the time because you know how that works and how insightful it can be, and especially important in our way of thinking to understand that particular ability or that particular understanding at the management level. Because guess what? Management is one of our biggest problems. We have, according to Gallup. Leadership. We have a lot yeah, of managers, yeah, right, but not right. very many leaders. And, and they're not very good managers. I mean, if you look at Gallup's report, 82% of the managers in their client base are not good managers, period. And the number one reason people leave is, guess what? I got a lousy manager. Mm-hmm. What's also interesting is that the first reason, when you hire somebody new, 30 to 35% of them leave in the first six months because guess why? I don't fit this job. Well, and that's, and that's both physical as well as um, mentally. They could yeah, it's just, right. And, and, uh, and a big part of that is behavior. And if you understand how what the behavioral requirements of a job is and match that to the behavioral attributes of of an applicant, that's that's a good indicator. But Mm -hmm. it's the only one. It's the only one. Mm -hmm. Do their passions, are they satisfied as companies, do they fit the culture, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, I've been in so many situations that are are just so fascinating that you can look at a situation that's a dysfunctional team and we can take our tools and we can diagnose pretty precisely why it's dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. And then you have a prescription of how to fix it. Sometimes they don't like the prescription. <laughs> yeah, because it takes but, a lot of work. And it and it, oftentimes it means that the leader has to learn how to be a different way. They have to minimize some um, impacts. They have to learn new conversational skills. Um, and that doesn't feel good. No. Nope. Particularly when you've been rewarded for being just who you are and delivering on the numbers. That's right. Well, did that help? That helped. That helped. Thank you so much. I so appreciate you. If people are interested in getting in touch with you, how would we, how would we find you? Well, just pick up your phone. No. The easiest way, <laughs> the easiest way my, my website is uh, Viatech Global. That's for Viable. Viable Technology, V-I-A-T-E-C-H, global.com. And my email address is Michael at viatechglobal.com. I think... My Twitter is either Michael J. Bhutan or something like that. <laughs> I, I have a. I, and you're I'm on a, LinkedIn. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm a. I'm, in, I'm on LinkedIn, and I have a somewhat of a hard time with with uh, this new social media stuff because it has has depersonalized things a lot. Yeah. Uh, connecting with people is very very difficult because they hit the standard stuff. Well, how are you doing? Thanks for connecting. How are you? They push buttons as opposed to having a conversation. And I miss yeah, that. You're looking for relationships. So having a relationship is an 
is uh, is a tough skill for people, most people to develop. It is, but it's so rewarding because you exchange ideas and you start looking at things differently and you start mm-hmm. figuring out how to solve problems and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's just more rewarding. And it's very, very difficult in this day of, of social media with our faces buried in our phones yeah. and not picking up the phone to call somebody instead of texting them, which is more efficient, but you're missing something. Yeah. So, yeah, and we have to start valuing what is it that connecting and conversations do for us yeah, in general. Some, yeah, some companies are now realizing they're banning phones in certain situations. Yeah, you know, yeah. I was on the West Coast uh, and uh, meetings had to, you know, the meetings we went into, all phones sat on the outside for one yeah. hour. And that was the thing, you know, you can't be um, unavailable for one hour. And for those people like myself who take care of my parents, I was able to just kind of put a, in that do not disturb um, the reply message that said, hey, if you need me, call this number here. And they would come, somebody was there, and they would come in and get me if something yeah. happened. So that kind of took care of the concern that I might have um, because I take care of my parents and something could go wrong. Uh, they, but it allowed me also to be fully present in that meeting. That's right. There's there's ways of solving the problem without compromising the intent. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, listeners. If you like this, you know what to do. Share it with somebody. Um, if you don't like it, share it with somebody anyway. And also, <laughs> <laughs> I would be, it would mean the world to me if you would simply just connect uh, with me. And you can catch up with me on LinkedIn. That's Denise Cooper. I'm on LinkedIn, and my company's name is Denise Cooper, Inc. Have a great day, and I hope you found something valuable out of this. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.